Welcome back to Cobbler's Gulch. Episode 7. Things that did and did not happen after the witching hour. It's very close to the witching hour. After several rounds of cackle fruit and grog, Madame Drax is still on her smooch-laden stroll through the cobblestone streets of Cobbler's Gulch. In all things told, the date is going pretty well. Well, actually, it's going well for Madame Drax. She's feeling much less lonely. But it's really not going all that well for Bully Van Pelt. As a pirate, he's used to a rugged life. A dangerous life. A life that's been lethal for many pirates that have come before him. Pirates lose their limbs, their lives, their sanity to harsh seas. To all sorts of sea monsters. Giant octopus. And a whole host of other leviathans too many to even count. The pirate routine requires muscle and bone, sweat and toil. So Bully Van Pelt is accustomed to aches and pains. But after a night with Madame Drax, he'll likely spend the next few weeks searching for herbal remedies to soothe his bruised bones and his mauled muscle tissue. Because when Madame Drax smooches a person, it's an undertaking. In terms of physical toll, comparisons to ditch digging, stonemasonry, and swamp donkey wrangling would not be entirely unwarranted. Since Bully has been on a date with Madame Drax before, he knows better than to go the whole evening without a little intermission, a little break to stay limber. Drax, drop anchor on these shenanigans for a jiff. Make it snappy, swab. I need to be stretching me hamstrings for you plunder me heart and soul the way ye do. Loosen up those hammocks. What are you whimpering about? I haven't touched you. Barely laid an eye on you. Aye, that's the rub. He laid one paper on me. But what's the other one looking at? For a right good place to goose ya. Shiver me timbers, woman. Oh, how shiver your timbers, sailor. Uh, oh. Pucker up, you scallywag. All right, all right, just one. But your breaths be smelling like the briny deep. (sighs) I had snogglings for breakfast. Medium rare. (laughs) That upper lip, woman. It'd be chafing like a cut of nine tails. Romance makes my whiskers. 
Snickers, Brickley. You're the type of woman that makes a man yearn for the sea. But you remind me of my mother. <sighs> Don't get all weepy on me. Drax, if you were a bag of lemons, I'd welcome the scurvy. Oh, bully. Save the sap for your crumpets. And give us another kiss. <laughs> it's just after midnight when Madame Drax starts back for the orphanage. The witching hour. Madame Drax knows as much because just as the rooster crows at first light, <laughs> pussycats mew and mule and meow as one day turns into the next. As tomorrow becomes today. And today, yesterday. A chorus of caterwauling pussycats. Shut your snouts. I'll knock the whiskers of the lot of you. But Madame Drax shouldn't have been making such threats. Not because it's the witching hour, or because the cats have her number, but because her own voice drowns out the sounds of footsteps. The sounds of footsteps she would otherwise have heard. The footsteps of creatures with wickedness on their minds. Cruelty in their hearts and desperation looming in their vacant souls. And there's hardly a hiccup between one caterwaul and the next before they're upon her. Langled and bound, gagged and bagged, Madame Drax vanishes. And nobody's the wiser. Nobody except the cats, who continue crying. Right on through the witching hour and into tomorrow. The next morning at the orphanage, many things do not happen. The orphans do not wake up to Madame Drax's shrill, whooping demands to scour Scour. and scrub Scrub. or sand and buff her many bunions. Sand and buff my bunions! The daisies, pansies, and peonies that crowd the flower box do not wilt the way they usually do when Madame Drax is around. And Mrs. Gibblewitz, Hello! Who delivers Madame Drax's snogling meat does not, in fact, deliver the snogling meat. Hello! Because there's nobody to answer the door. Hello! When she knocks no less than 47 times. Hello! Snogling meat won't be getting any fresher out here. You know, it doesn't age like wine. It ages like dead snuggling. Hello? The other thing that does not happen this morning is any questioning of these curiosities on the part of the orphans. Fortune smiles on them rarely, so rarely. So they know better than to ask questions. And instead, they go about enjoying their morning. Hazel uses the free time to stroll through town, pondering the goblin dilemma. And this is when she hears rumors of more abductions. Not one, but many. You know, you know, my, um... My mother got swiped up by a goblin. Oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. She had a, a bum hip. Easy pickings for them, I guess. I had a goblin in the chapel. Yeah, I seen two goblins under my bed. That's nothing. I slipped in a pile of goblin slime so big. Must have been a whole hold of goblins. Oh, it'll be weeks before I get my old self. <laughs> my wife ran off with a goblin. Did she? Are you sure she just didn't mistake a goblin for you? It occurs to Hazel that Madame Drax might have been abducted, 
which doesn't seem like such a bad thing. But the thought melts away when something else occurs to her. She whips away to the now empty field of lilt blossoms. All of the tracks Zip had made are still there, fresh from the evening before. But there are new tracks, too. Even fresher. Three distinct sets, similar in shape but varied in size. The soles are oblong and bulbous, almost globular. The toes, well, you listening. You listening right now. You probably have five toes on each foot. You probably don't even need to count them, right? You're sure you have five on your left and five on your right. And that probably makes math easier for you. But goblin toes are different. There's nothing even or uniform about them. Some of the goblin tracks Hazel looks at have as few as two toes and as many as eight. And they're chunky and plump. And if you saw them, you know they'd be pretty useless for counting. Goblins are terrible at math, and the toes probably have something to do with that. And just as Hazel sees, you too would probably see and agree that the tracks in the now empty field of lilt blossoms are the tracks of a wretch, of a beast up to nothing good or decent. Hazel drops to her knees to examine the tracks more carefully when she stops short by something peculiar. It's a goat, and it's just finished crossing the bridge of the spinning woman. Or at least it's coming from that direction. It's neither the nanny nor the billy that Hazel so often encounters when she visits the lilt blossoms. In fact, she hasn't seen them lately. Instead, it's a large chestnut-colored billy goat with colossal, hulking shoulders. It staggers past Hazel, smelling curiously like pumpernickel. And Hazel thinks that the goat's shoulders look awfully big. The kind of shoulders that could haul great big sacks of flour. A baker's shoulders. Big, hulking baker's shoulders. The goblins dragged him off, I tell ya. May I never drink another drop. No wife should ever have to see her husband being stuffed into a sack of flour. Overwhelmed by the peculiar presence of the billy goat, (laughs) Hazel tries to make sense of the tracks. If they are goblin tracks, she reasons that goblins have no respect for order or even for straight lines. The tracks zig and zag and loop-de-loop and backtrack and sidestep. Goblins probably make for nauseating dance partners, Hazel thinks. Feeling dizzy, she surmises that there's no sense to be made of the tracks. No sense at all, at least not by her. And she runs back to town, knowing exactly whose help she needs. Thanks for listening. On the next Cobbler's Gulch, Iron Spikes. In the meantime, we of Cobbler's Gulch would like to recognize the title of this episode, the fact that it refers to the witching hour, and that it's being released close to the witching hour of this calendar year. It's a coincidence. Sure, it's just a coincidence. All the same, when it comes to witching hours, whether it's the time that separates one day from the next, or one year from the next, it's best to stay sharp. Be aware. Practice mindfulness. Sure, of your environment, of what's around the corner and what's over your shoulder, but also stay vigilant about what you're thinking, about what you're feeling. Are the thoughts you're telling yourself true? Are the feelings pumping through your heart real? They better be. There's no deception like self-deception. 
And when it comes to goblins and witches and monsters, nothing makes a person tastier and more tender than the lies they let into their mind and heart. So pay attention. Tell the truth. Tell the truth to yourself most of all. And that way, you won't have to whistle when you walk past the graveyard.